This is the Rejoicing in the Word podcast coming to you from the capital region of the Susquehanna Valley. My name is Josh and I'm here today with Pastor Brandon Starnes. We want to welcome you back to another episode on the Rejoicing in the Word podcast. Today we're going to be talking about dangers and missions. And so we've titled um, this episode, The Cart Before the Horse. We'll get into that in a little bit. But before we do, let me just remind you to check out our Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash rwmin. Remember to share us, like us, message us. And um, also remember we have the giveaways, the season two giveaways. We have Rejoicing the Word coasters that we have now. We have um, the devotional booklets as well. So you want to get your name in for that. I know some people have already been doing that. One of the ways, the easiest ways you can do that is if you're on Facebook, what you want to do is message us, tell us that you want to be put in the drawing, message us your email address, and we'll have you, we'll be able to put you in the drawing there. If you want to apply for the drawing in a different way, you can go to svbcpa.org, and that is our church's website. You can go down to the contact section, go down to the bottom, put your name in there, and make sure you message us, um, I guess you put in there, rejoicing in the word drawing. Send it to us, and we'll get you put in for the drawing. So we're excited about all that coming up here. We'll be we'll have to come up with the drawing date here pretty soon. We'll let you guys know. We'll keep you posted. So also remember, if you're going to share the blog, uh, it's svbcpa.org forward slash rwblog. And then if you're going to share the podcast, it's svbcpa.org forward slash rwpod. So make sure you share that with some different people. I know I've had opportunity to share it with some people, and they've enjoyed it. So um, we're excited to get back into another episode here. Let's let's start talking about dangers of missions. We had a great missions conference here at our church here just a little while ago, and so we're just continuing on with the theme of missions till the end of season two. But speaking of missionaries and going to the mission field, the mission field can be a dangerous place. Yeah, I think sometimes we think of danger, at least I do. I, I think of peril, you know, life and limb type of peril, not just uh, unusual or cultural di- distinctions that might exist. I, I think of peril. Uh, one missionary that I've read a good bit about, is his name was George uh, Granfell. He was a missionary to the Congo back uh, just after the turn of the 1900s. He really, his ministry concluded in 1903, 1906, somewhere in that time. And, and it was a different time, and true, truly it was a, a danger fraught time. Uh, you know, I think it was David Livingston during his time, some 50 years before, they had referred to Africa being... Was it the, the um, missionary graveyard? Yeah, white man's graveyard. That's where you went. That's where it ended. And surely there was a lot of diseases uh, and just out-and-out dangerous situations they would find themselves in. In particular, during Granville's time... They say not only is Africa the white man's graveyard, but the Congo in particular, they referred to as the shortcut to heaven. Hmm. And um, in one of his writings, Renfell describes how terribly difficult the situation was. There were so many young men and women would come, and, and often they're coming from uh, Western Europe, and they're having to deal with the climate, they're having to deal with different diseases, uh, a different... Um, altogether uh, type of uh, environment that they were unused to. And quite frankly, many of them would just, they would not even last 18 months. It got so dire at one time 
that uh, some of the cooperative agencies that were involved in supporting them said, hey, we're, we're going to pull back. It's just too dangerous. And he makes this statement in a letter he wrote to Granfield him. Did. Yeah, Granfield did. He said, he said, if you want me to go with you, it's only forward. I will not retreat. And he would use that level of fortitude and to continue to go forward. As a, many years prior to that, they had designed a little ship, and it had seven compartments. They could take them apart so they could go up the Congo, and okay. when they got into shallow water, reassemble it. They called it the Peace, HMS Peace. Uh, he said towards the end of his life that as he would sail further inland in the Congo, uh, that graves of friends family members, children, his wife. They were like milestones along the river. Hmm. It was a very difficult situation, a very difficult circumstance. You would say in, in great regards that he faced physical peril. Right. But even beyond that, the physical peril was not limited just to sickness and danger. There was also a society that that would really, how they dealt with things and such, uh, and he would have opposition to it. Yeah, I mean, the society was opposition to God. Oh, absolutely, and to his word. Um, you know, in our missions conference, we focused on uh, on carrying the light right. and drew a distinction between light and darkness, and that is a biblical comparative. It's used in John and Ephesians and, and elsewhere. First John uses it as well, light and darkness. And the longer a society has uh, no light or very little light, the darker that society grows. Right. And such was it was in George Granville's day. You know, you had burial murders. Man died. You would, you know, you'd bury his wife with with him, though she was alive. You'd, you'd have cruelties brought about by shamanistic witchcraft-type worship. Slave raiding was a major ordeal that had to be dealt with. Cannibalism, uh, gross immorality, uh, even even times where they would deal with like uh, civil type punishment, sometimes the punishment was just absolutely sadistic in how they handled it. Mm-hmm. And so he's immersed in this culture. He's preaching the gospel, dealing with all this, the loss of friends. There's a lot of danger that exists. In our mind, I think sometimes we can look at danger. And I think of George Grenfell and some of his contemporaries on another part of the world. I think of like John and Betty Stamm. Uh, I think about Nate Saint. Uh, I think about right. Jim Elliott. Yeah. And these are individuals that... Face great peril. Face great peril and ult- ultimately gave their lives uh, in the service of missions. And I look at this and I go, wow. I said, but you know, that's all that happened 70, 100 years ago. Right. That's it what we doesn't think. exist today. I mean, actually, the world is just safer today. You can go to any part of the world and you take your family and you'll be able to minister there 30, 40 years. There's no danger at all. Yeah, that's not the truth. But it's not the truth. Yeah. You know, I just thinking a number of names of individuals and circumstances that have, have um, had great loss of life while engaged in some type of mission work. Yeah. Um, I, I think just end of last year, a fellow was shot dead in Baghdad, mm-hmm. Iraq. Um Doing work is translating, um, teaching of English, but also opportunity to give the gospel, and he would it would cost him his life. The same was true of Charles Westco. Uh, different scenario, but in in uh, Cameroon, he, he was there like twelve days. Two thousand eighteen. Yep, going to a field, and there was a, a crossfire between security forces and separatist fighters. And though in the car was himself, I think another missionary and, and some of his children, 
um, stray bullet from there, be separatist, the civil activity of war, uh, caught and wound up killing him. He died in, in, in like you said, 2018. Hmm. Um, you know, 2011, you have missionaries that are killed by a drug cartel in Mexico. That's another thing you say, well, all that danger, you notice, that's over there. That doesn't happen near the U.S., but right. there's a couple that is killed in Mexico by the drug cartel in 2011. Um, and you can go back, even in the 90s, missionaries being killed in Bogota, Colombia. It is it is uh, misrepresenting of facts to think that it is not, in many places, still a dangerous place to exist. And I don't think that that's come to the point where it's less dangerous now. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about, uh, we had Dan DeLong here for the missions conference. He's been on the podcast here and he was, I don't know if he mentioned it on the podcast, but he said, you know, the safest place in the world is not always the center of God's will. It's the sweetest place, but it's not necessarily the safest place. And that would be true of what Grenfell experienced in these Correct. names that we mentioned also. Yeah. I mean, if you even think about the process by which most missionaries undergo in order to get to the field, some type of deputation involves them traveling all over hundreds of miles in various type of weather. Uh, we'll, we'll refer to it as deputation because the church deputizes them to do the work over there. Right. Uh, but bad weather. I heard of a missionary from Peru just last month in February of 2023 driving bad weather and uh, there's a collision with an oncoming truck and he's passed away. Not on the mission field right. here in the States. But it goes to point that there is danger in so many different aspects of missions. And, you know, not only the environment, not, not only the deputational dangers, but there's sickness. We have some good missionary friends of our church uh, that spent a long time in various missions capacities that now are in physical infirmity. Uh, we have Brother Dobb, who was in Kenya for a number of years and physically there's a tremendous level of physical sickness that he endured because of the missions activity. Uh, we've got a missionary we support in Zambia, Africa, multiple bouts of malaria and such. And so these are common things in certain regions of the mission field. But as a whole, there's there's danger in missions. And so it really brings us to the question, you know, with all these dangers in place, why would you go to a place like that? Why would you put yourself, your family into great peril? What's the, I mean, are you, you're not just doing it just for the fact of putting yourself in danger. Yeah. Or, you know, for somehow the glamour of it. Right. Um, no, I, I think ultimately there's at the very lowest denominator, there's the thought that they have eternity's values in view. Hmm. They, they're thinking about what is going to happen to these individuals that live um, here there, everywhere, the, the place of service to which I have been called, their eternal existence is a driving force in the heart of a missionary to hazard life and liberty uh, for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and we also shouldn't neglect the, the another reason be obedience to God's calling. Yeah, I, I think we mentioned on an earlier podcast, uh, I, I used to sit and watch missionary presentations and you, you, in your heart, you're called everywhere, you know, as, as a matter of speaking. And sometimes you'll hear individuals, well, I think I'm called to such and such place because, well, I'm just in love with the country. Or I think the people right. are so cool. Or their traditions or uh, whatever it might be, their location. Yeah. The fact is, once you get to the area of service, no amount of affinity and love for those people will keep you there. 
uh, when compared to God's will, that yeah. He God's directed calling, you yeah. and He called you, and it now is a matter, as you said, obedience. Obedience. Yeah. Um, those are some reasons. I think ultimately they're seeking to glorify God with their life. Yeah. And our life is but a vapor. It yeah. pairs for a little while and then soon vanishes away. And we have only in this window of time the opportunity to serve God. I, I'm not promised next year or 10 years or 50 years down the road. Uh, nevertheless, I need to make the most of this life. I, th- I think of the Apostle Paul. Well, For to me to live as Christ and yeah. to die as gain. Right now, right now, seize the moment. Yeah. And also with the Apostle Paul, I mean, he was not without dangers himself. Um, let me read us here a passage that we're all familiar with. Second Corinthians 11, 26. Just take a look at what Paul had to go through. And it, it shouldn't be a surprise to us that as we're obedient to God and following him, we too might come across these things. Um, let me read this. In journeyings often, we spoke of that deputation in journeyings, in traveling to a foreign field. He says, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. And I mean, talk about a man who went through so much physical trials. It's It was not... It was not uncommon to him. The dangers of the mission field were not no, uncommon. No, he speaks of perils of robbers. I, you know, I just in my mind, I'm considering, you know, First uh, Corinthians chapter 16, the, the gift that the church Corinth and later Macedonia, that they're sending to the churches Jerusalem to help them. I mean, here they're going perhaps somewhat under-escorted. You know, it's just this these band of missionaries. Sometimes there's a company with them that they mention, not a military company, but right. a group of individuals. And you're going out and you're taking of uh, the finances to help this or that or the caring. I mean, there's just so many different ways in which harm and danger could occur to them. I think about the danger of false brethren. Yeah. Um, not unlike Judas during the time of Christ. Those are a lot of significant perils. Um the peril that would come just by being a day and night plus in the deep, traveling from thence and knowing that uh, the ship might might wreck or be cast upon a shore. These are difficult times that he would face. It would be times in the book of Acts that it covers that he's just about run out of a town for preaching the gospel of right. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I think of Second Peter one fourteen. I mean, Peter says this about himself, knowing that shortly I must put off my tabernacle even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. And he knew he was going to have to give his life, um, really because of the gospel, because of his testimony for yeah. the Lord. All the way back over in the gospel of John, the Lord said to him, he said, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, now there's something to look forward to in your old <laughs> age. When thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee. And carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Yeah. And in case we might have misconstrued what the Lord is speaking of, it's recorded in the next verse, this spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And of course, in the next verse, the Lord commanded Peter, 
follow me. Right. Yeah. And the truth is, Peter would labor the bulk of his ministry, knowing that he would die a martyr's death. And there in Second Peter that you referenced just a moment ago, he knew that he would soon put off his tabernacle, but he had a level of commitment to it. Uh, I think it's in the previous verse. He talks about, I know I'm going to put it off, but I'm going to put you in remembrance. Yeah, he says, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance because he had an urgency. He did, and a, and a purpose of mine. Yeah. I realize where God's called me. I realize the important truths of the word of God. And to my last day, I'm going to convey these truths. And so despite the dangers, he had a purposed mind, a purposed heart, and back to the optimal word a significant level of obedience to these things. He's a different man than the Peter that was there denying Christ. Yeah, it's a great testimony, testimony, great testament of the fact of the working of God in our lives. But, you know, these are not the only dangers to be found. We've focused on the physical, but they're not the only dangers really to be uh, had in the missions. Yeah, and, you know, we mentioned that we're titling this podcast The Cart Before the Horse. And the reason we're titling it that is because aside from all the physical dangers, there's going to be dangers. The next one we'll look at is the danger of a false gospel. And there's always a danger to put something else, put things out of order, put the gospel in the wrong place, put God's word in the wrong place, and put people in front or put our mission or people's goals or something out of line. And so that's what we're going to be looking at with the dangers of, of the mission field more than just physical dangers. You know, you were just reading there in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 where Paul under inspiration lists all these perils uh, that are there given. But he spends often much time warning about false teachers in just the preceding verses from the ones you just read a moment ago. In verse 13, same chapter, the 11th chapter, 2 Corinthians, he says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves to the apostles of Christ, Hmm. and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. And there's a a terrible uh, thing to consider that sometimes there's a great danger, as we said a moment ago, of preaching a false gospel. Galatians chapter 1, Paul was not one that was able to spend his missionary journey without being confronted to this. In verse number 7, he said that they would pervert the gospel of Jesus, these false teachers would pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, We mentioned this in a podcast earlier that the gospel, when we speak of missions, the theme, do you remember our definition? It was the preaching of the gospel to the condemned of Adam's race, wherever they may be. Yeah, And so that's the essence of missions, but we have to have an understanding of what gospel is. Right. And going around telling people that Jesus loves you is not the same thing equivalent to a biblical message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. Or another one would be building of hospitals and schools, just, I guess you'd call it... um, Benevolent activity. Right. I mean, it's a good thing, and I'm not not opposed to it happening, but that is not the primary forte. Mm -hmm. We're to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's also, you know, historically in missions... You'll get the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it merges with whatever cultural type religion there is. Right. Uh, that's something that is often seen in areas where there is a polytheistic type worship. They just bring Jesus Christ in as another God. Add another God to it. Yeah. And and uh, the gospel really is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's received only by our faith, and it is transmitted only by his marvelous grace as 
Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 2, it is not of works, lest any man should boast. And but, so the danger really is that we could, we could either compromise or just put the emphasis in the wrong place. Yes, and make it about what you do. Uh, and the fact is that the work of salvation, God's work that has been given in saving our souls, not our work, um, it does that salvation once received, it, it produces us a, and produces in us, I should say, a desire to labor and to, to work for him. But we're not saved by those things. Uh, James talks about this, that faith without works is dead. Mm. Ephesians chapter two, we're his workmanship, but the mingling of the two, there's no salvation by keeping of the law. Yeah. And frankly, there's no salvation without the understanding and accepting of the gospel of truth. Yeah. Paul mentions there in Galatians, he said, you perverted it, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm always amazed when I consider, you know, verse number seven, where he talks about you, you've mutilated, you've carved it up, you've perverted the gospel of Jesus Christ, that in verse number nine, his attitude towards them, yeah, let them be cursed. accursed. That is a powerful thing. There has to be hard, fast lines about the efficacy of scriptures. There has to be hard, fast lines about the true preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what a dangerous thing it is that in our mindset, we look at missions as a goodwill tour. Yeah. That we're just going to go over there and tell these people God loves them. We're going to do good deeds and we're going to provide good. But the fact is we haven't dealt with the whole purpose, which is the matter that all humanity is under the wrath of God by birth and by action. Yeah. And there's only one hope, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ according to the scriptures. Yeah. I think a good thing that we could reference back to is the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. And obviously we see that five times in the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. And Acts, yeah. Matthew twenty eight nineteen says this, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. And so really, whenever the gospel is changed, it, I mean, it is no longer effective if it's been changed by man. What a terrible thing that we might have gone, or missionary has gone into an area, not preached the gospel, but, but at the same time done good deeds. And you've got a generation of individuals that have died in their trespasses and sin thinking yeah. that they were saved all along. So with missions, there's the inherent danger of a false gospel. Yeah. I think another one that could be of of great danger is the danger of bad associations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, their effect upon the missionary, their effect upon the other believers that are there. I mean, even those who aren't missionaries need to be careful of their associations as well. I mean, I some... Mean, just because we, we say we believe the Bible. Right doesn't give us the liberty just to cast aside distinctional truth, uh, be that doctrinal, practical, just to have fellowship. Uh, we've got to be very careful uh, the messages and the line in which, uh, the banner in which we're raising. Yes, we teach of Jesus Christ, but not everybody, even in Paul's day, not everyone that preached Christ did he fellowship with. Yeah. Um, there were some, Philippians chapter one that just did it for the whole purpose of seeing there being greater difficulty launched in Paul's life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some folks 
we'll use the statement that the only thing that matters is the gospel. We just need to get people saved. And I think in a statement that that way, my inclination would be like, well, yeah, yeah, that's right. But on the opposite side, that almost says we'll throw everything away but the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And if you were to do that, you're getting rid of half of your New Testament. Yeah. It's, it's essentially you're saying that all that matters is after the gospel and that first little bit of Acts, and then from there, chuck it all loose. Well, you're also neglecting a great part of the Great Commission because he doesn't just stop with, uh, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And obviously baptism, that needs to be taught, and that's a step of obedience. So right there is something that needs to be taught after. And then you have teaching them to observe all things. And so that's teaching about faithfulness to the family of God as far as coming, I mean, that's, joining yourself together with the local church. Yeah, that's teaching them about the whole process of sanctification. Absolutely. I mean, the moment I get saved, positionally, I'm in Christ. Yeah. At that moment, I'm seated together with heavenly places. But on a practical level, there's things about me that I need to bring in a conformity to Jesus Christ. Uh, if that's if that's true, and it is for the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, that I might know him, verse 10, be made conformable. Um, I stretch, I reach for the prize, which I call Christ Jesus. Uh, and then later in that verse, you know, he has a whole idea of getting stepped together. If that's true of an apostle's position, how much more is it true of us? The idea that that's all that matters is fifth, really the preaching of the the gospel of Jesus Christ is really, if, if we can put it in this sense, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. It's yeah, the, the beginning point. Yeah, a missionary's job isn't done simply because the gospel's preached. Uh, the goal is to that churches would be established, yeah. new believers would be have an outpost for truth, and believers would be assembling in the pillar and ground of the truth. Yeah, and that pillar and ground of truth, Paul mentions that to Timothy. The church, which is the pillar and ground of truth. Uh, what a terrible thing that we would say um, for, for you know, a young couple and here comes a baby and then you have the baby and then you just leave the baby. And you would say, well, they'll figure things out. Like, yeah. Anyone well, would look at that and say, no, 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 you got, you got, you've got to take care. Well, the same thing true in missions. Yeah. Uh, just to say, well, we did it for the cause of the gospel. Well, then you've raised up. Or really, you haven't raised up. You, you've let a young child make all the decisions yeah. in a sense that uh, I, I'm not talking about manipulating them, but you've given them no clear direction and teaching. You failed to make them disciples. Yeah. Well, you always have to worry. I mean, speaking about the child and parent relationship, you always have to worry about the, the families. They're like, well, you know, we're just going to let our children make their own decisions. Like it's a five-year-old. Yeah, and they, they I mean... If experience teaches us anything, we just have to examine, did we make all the decisions right? If we did not have uh, parental oversight to guide and to instruct us in those years where we've been. Yeah. And I, I think well, there's a failure sometime in considering that. The job's not done. And spiritually wise, the scripture says that we must grow to earnestly contend for the faith. How are you going yeah. to earnestly contend for the faith if there's if it's you accept Christ, you're a baby Christian, and it's done? Yeah, and that's where Jude, that's the passage you're referencing. And the whole theme of Second Peter and Jude were false teachers. And who are they beguiling? The They're believers. not beguiling Paul. Yeah. They're feasting on un, undiscipled believers Yeah, that are blown, Ephesians says, by every wind of doctrine. And so I think that's a failure sometimes. It's just, well, let's just associate for the gospel 
And if we had a bunch of people come to save, we've done the work, now go on to the next place. Yeah. And really, that's only part of the work. Uh, it is, if you will, the tip of the iceberg. Uh, bad associations is a great danger as well on the mission field. Yeah. And then another one we could look at is the temptation to change the culture. And I was I was thinking about a missionary biography I read when I was oh probably in high school or college, and I was reading about a mission. Missionaries were going to the mission field. The mission field they were going to, all the homes, all the houses, all the church built every every building was a circle. Hmm. And so these missionaries would show up and they'd build a square building, and then they'd try to get people to come to the church. And it was just funny because. No one wanted to come to these square buildings because the missionaries were there to make them American. And, you know, as much as I love America, as much as you love America, we love America, uh, missions is not getting people to conform to a Western culture, conform to American culture. I mean, that's definitely not what Paul the Apostle did. I mean, there was no American culture at that time. Really? (laughs) It's in our hearts deep down somewhere. (laughs) Are you sure he wasn't American? (laughs) Uh, no, all cultures have their culture really is a tradition of localized human existence. That's yeah. what, and, and there's more to it, uh, than that. But in, in essence, all cultures have, have error. And God's not called us to be cultural crusaders. Yeah. And to be called up with correcting. Now, I, I think we mentioned at the onset, George Granfield, and we mentioned some of the hostility that oppose them because of teaching the gospel. That's that's a little bit different thing. Yeah. But I'm not looking at a missionary that uh, is seeking to follow truth. They're not one that's seeking to make uh, those folks that live over there making them Americans. Yeah. Making them think Western. No, we we want them to think biblically. We have a hard enough time getting people in the Western culture to think biblical. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, the Bible says they need the Christian needs to be conformed into the image of Christ not into the image of a certain culture. Right. So the missionary's job is to help people in that culture. Now, there are things wrong with every culture, but the missionary's goal is to help those people be conformed into the image of Christ in their culture. I think this grows to the greater point of how, with these dangers, not only the physical kind, but also the spiritual kind, you know, how do you you select a missionary that you would think would have the greatest opportunity of pleasing God? Yeah, And I, I think this goes back to 1 Timothy, where Paul instructs Timothy, he said, lay hands not suddenly upon a man, not a novice. Neophytes, the word. Right. Uh, missionaries need to be proven. Somewhere along the line, we picked up this idea is the prime candidate for the mission field is always the guy that is just young. Right. Yeah. And the fact is, they're going to be called to many dangers and toils. Physically and spiritually. Yeah, and they're going to have to be able to faithfully stand and having done all to stand. Yeah. Uh, They're going to have to be unmovable in the truths of scriptures. They're going to have to, like Jude, agonize for truth. They can't be an individual without strong convictions. They can be gentlemanly. Right. They ought to be gentlemanly. But one thing that uh, is going to occur is they can't collaborate with error or with those that do. A missionary must be one that is strong in faith, strong allegiance to Jesus Christ and to his word, strong intellect, strong integrity. They're going to have to be a mature saint of God because the dangers are many. Yeah. What's the word for the day? Our word for the day comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. 
in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And with that, we want to leave you with this word for the day. And thank you for listening. We look forward to getting with you again in the next episode. Goodbye for now.